We want to encourage you to follow us on social media. At Strange New Takes on Instagram, at Strange New Takes on Twitter. And hey, guess what? On Facebook, it's not at Strange New Takes. It's a little bit different because <laughs> Facebook does their URL slightly differently. So, But you can put us in the search bar. And when you get there, you can ask us questions. You can like our stuff. You can share it with your friends. You can do whatever you want to do, uh, social media style. And we would really actually appreciate if you did tell your friends about us. If you post on Reddit, if you're posting on social media, be like, there's this podcast full of people who went on for an hour and a half about how killing your coworkers is not so great and therapy. Uh, and then be like, maybe skip that episode. Listen to all the others. But do tell your friends <laughs> to listen to us. We do enjoy getting strange new listeners from all over the world. And your recommendations help with that a lot. Yep, yep. And the veterans that we are, we want to be, you want us to be. Um, that depends on five-star ratings on iTunes. So definitely do rate us. It helps us appear higher on search lists. And if people need to look for Star Trek podcasts, um, these ratings do help. So five stars on iTunes. And just that has a... Oh my goodness gracious. Just as a heads up, this podcast and literally all of our podcasts include spoilers for, well, this entire season of Lower Decks. And we're probably going to include spoilers for all kinds of episodes because I know I included some spoilers for some Enterprise episodes last episode that we had. So if you hadn't had a chance, haven't had a chance to watch the entire first season of Lower Decks and you don't want to be spoiled, feel free to just not listen to this episode. Wait to get a chance to watch it and then join us. Enterprise spoilers are okay though, because we're all going in the holodeck and living through Enterprise that's with right, its characters, right, it's you know, all the time. Like that's that is that is a thing that people do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so recap of lower decks. Usually at this point I do an episode summary. I'm not gonna try to summarize all of lower decks. Uh, I think the summary is lower decks is a thing that happened for 10 episodes. But for strange new takes this week, I want to do something a little bit different, which is I want you to tell me, did this show meet your expectations? Like, put yourself in the place of where you were, maybe when this show was announced, maybe when the trailer came out, whatever you want. Like, put yourself in the in an expectations place and tell me now, sitting here 10 episodes later, did it meet those? And I can, I can get started. So if it was a binary answer on yes versus no... I'd go with yes, and if it was a rating, I'd go with um, four out of five. And this is why. Um, I was uh, excited about an animated Star Trek show. I hadn't seen the original um, uh, TOS animated series, and I felt at the beginning that it would give um, the the show a license to go places um, that uh, were hard to go. Um, to boldly go where no one has mm, gone before. There you Sorry. Go, right. okay, go ahead. <laughs> Meta again. <laughs> um, but but yeah, um, go not not just um, from a from a cinematography standpoint um, because you can do really cool stuff in in anime, but also uh, exaggeration around um, poking at a little bit of the Star Trek um, fundamentals that we have we have. Um, begun to accept or mm-hmm. or didn't like so and I think it did that to, to a great extent it, it did that throughout the series um, I, I do feel interestingly and, and this is not why I'm docking at a point um, I, I do feel interestingly it went to areas where uh, a lot of us were like whoa that's a lot of exaggeration that's a little too much flexibility 
um but but that's what animation does right it kind of challenges you to um you know draw draw boundaries if you will so i think it 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 met my expectations and i think it it should continue down that path um it also sort of drove me to go back and watch a little bit of other trek um as well i have started watching the animated series and uh it is definitely uh much more uh non comical non exaggerated than this one so so yeah liked it i am going to break the rules because i just have to say that my real life strange new take is that my hair looks amazing right now and it did not look amazing during the last episode that we recorded and i just felt the need to comment on it because i feel good um <laughs> so i had to break the rules <laughs> we attest to that you look great yeah if you're gonna break the rules anyway. you break it for that <laughs> you know you know but um i think i would um that this actually exceeded my expectations um well, first of all, since you brought up the uh, animated series, I just have to say the music on Lower Decks far <laughs> <laughs> exceeds and blows away the music in the animated series. I was binge watching the animated series, which is really an unfortunate thing to do because it's <laughs> the same music every episode. So then you fall asleep and it like uh-huh. ha- it like inserts itself into your dreams. And anyway, it's pretty the music is pretty <laughs> terrible. But um. I think I, I would give um, Lower Decks at this point in my life. Now, it may change if I were to be watching it at different points. But this point in my life in 2020, in the midst of a pandemic where we are mm-hmm. all not allowed to hug our family members and we're locked in our houses, I would give this a four out of five Um because it was the Star Trek I needed. I needed something that was funny um, and kind of lighthearted and just a, just a fun show to watch. It was something I look forward to watching. I knew it wasn't going to cause me a lot of angst or distress while I was watching it. I don't need that because the news gives me that. Um, so so in that sense, and, and I didn't I didn't necessarily have that expe- expectation placed upon it. I mean, I figured mm-hmm. it would be funny, but um, I've definitely laughed out loud more than I anticipated I would. Um, and I've enjoyed all the callbacks. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's been a, it's been a fun ride, even though, you know, I want to remove some of the grossness, but, um, and, and some of the violence I do. The reason I wouldn't give it higher than a four out of five, I find it to be too violent. Um, and that's just, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of violence and, and I, you know, I, I just don't, yeah. They were taking advantage of the fact that they were a, an animated series. <laughs> so, and yeah, I would like them to take advantage of that fact in other factors, not necessarily just in the violence, violence. that they're showing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a fair criticism. Although I I personally don't find myself bumping on it as much. Um, I will though confess to being very skeptical about this show, and I did not when it was announced. Before the trailer, I did not find myself finding a place for it in my in my Trek fandom and, and being like, what is this show going to do? Um, I will say that I think some of the places that it went are not necessarily places I wanted to go. And some of that might be the, skept- the skepticism of Starfleet. I feel like that's been explored in other series and we'll get into that in a second. And I, I don't know if I needed that in this particular series. Um, 
But at the same time, it worked. And I'm not going to be like, that was a problem. Uh, I think, you know, y'all are giving ratings. So I'll say I, I 4.5 for me. This was great. I, I especially, I think I'm grading a little bit on the curve that it's the first season of a Star Trek show. So I will give it maybe if this was like season two, I might give it a four. But given that they were starting from scratch, the success, the writing, everything. I mean, I... I will say that I never expected to laugh during a Star Trek, like a genuine laugh, not like a, ha, ah, this is so terrible. Jane, we just said kids with Paris that are lizards. Uh, but um, so I, I didn't expect that. And so I will say that that, that it exceeded my expectations across the board. Uh, very pleased. Yeah, I I think I'm going to uh, echo you pretty, pretty hard there. Like it's this blew my expectations out of the water because i I, honestly um i didn't know if star trek could be this consistently funny on purpose uh so i i know that like uh the i I think the the most successful comedy that they have before this was star trek 4 which it like i love that movie there's so so many great Mm -hmm. great moments in it but it's like I, i i kind of expected especially like having the animated series having like i did the same thing that emily did where i i binge watched it and i i had to stop watching all star trek for a long time after (laughs) i finished that because i I watched all of tos and then all of tas and i was just like i i can't (laughs) i'm not going to step into tng if you season one which is probably the worst first season of any of the series um but the uh, for me, I, I was kind of expecting that like deep awkwardness that I feel um, whenever we have an episode that's about people singing who aren't the doctor uh, in Voyager, who is amazing. But uh, like, it's just sort of like a, I, I don't know. I was just expecting like cheesy, like one liners of like, hey, remember this thing? And like, yeah, I, would, I just I thought it was going to. So I I, uh, I was very scared of it being terrible. And like irredeemably terrible, where like I the, while watching it, I would wish that they'd cancel it. Um, but the reality, and, and 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 even when we saw the the trailers, I was kind of like, eh. like like uh, honestly, the 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 sneak peeks that they showed of like episode one, like I think those were the worst parts of episode one that they showed us. Um, and uh, I'm I'm also used to things like uh, like I think the movie Anchorman is probably funny. But uh, if you just watch the trailers for Anchorman, that uh, literally all of the jokes in the entire movie are in there, so you don't need to watch the movie. Um, so I, but I, they just they blew this out of the water. There were so many things that, like, I just I was uh, laughing out loud and just enjoying, but then also surprised when I got like real Star Trek plots. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm gonna give it a uh, a nine out of ten because it's uh, yes, there's there's things that I didn't enjoy or whatnot. Um, but there, there was real Star Trek in here. There was, uh, uh, just lots of hilarious moments and lots of just like new stuff to think about. And they blew up the damn ship. (laughs) We know about your love for blowing up the damn ship. So, uh, let's, let's, let's dive in in depth and talk about the, the series as kind of a, a, a whole to date, what we've seen. And I want to start on the surface with the animation this was a new uniform, a new ship. And I think some of those were created, if I had to guess, to accentuate the animation style. Like we, we talked about how in, in our 
in our review of No Small Parts, there was there was a mention that the animation style of the Titan just didn't look a little different. And I think it's because they were they had to put uniforms that had been designed for real life into an animation, whereas the Cerritos uniform, for example, like it 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 helps you like see the curves and angles. Yeah, that that just makes it all look a little bit more real, which I really enjoyed, and. I'm curious to hear what y'all thought about the animation style. Have y'all watched Rick and Morty? So was this familiar to you? Did it did it seem different? How did how did you react to the animation? I I've yeah. seen a handful of episodes of of Rick and Morty, and uh, I enjoyed them. But it it seemed uh, at least um, the animation style looks identical to me. Uh, just but uh, like Emily mentioned in the previous episode, like uh, the the thing that I appreciate is that we ha- we have that Rick and Morty look of the characters themselves, but the ships it it's Star Trek. Like uh, mm-hmm. they they have somehow managed to sort of combine both things. Uh, mm-hmm. That uh, it it feels cohesive in a way that I wasn't really expecting. But well, and it feels very um, it feels very TNG era with the mm-hmm. L cars and um, like some like just the kind of the coloration that they have that they use. Um, in the show, but I also, um, so I, I haven't seen Rick and Morty and, um, but the animation is a clear indicator that it's going to be a comedy, right? So the animation for the, um, animated series to me indicates that that wasn't the intention of Mm -hmm. the animated series, right? You know, it was Mm -hmm. kind of more of a, um, I guess comic book kind of animation, you know, uh, but, um, Anyway, so so that was I feel like the animation kind of just lets you know where where we all stand, you know, like this is TNG era, but this is a funny take on the TNG era. I will say I think sometimes the Star Trek alien style, which is dump some prosthetics on their face, doesn't translate as well to this animation style. So I, you know, sometimes I would go online and be like, actually, in the background, you saw this one species that was in the background for an episode of Enterprise for like 10 seconds. And I couldn't know. Sometimes I could. I couldn't even see it. Like it just looks so different. And uh, the the uh, was it the Arcadian? Was that the name of the the metalhead uh, first uh, science officer guy from from the mm. Oakland? I forget the the species name now. But th- that's a good example of where where it just looks different. And they had to make mm. those changes because otherwise you wouldn't. It, translating what we saw on a live action show into the, just as a one-to-one wouldn't look good. And so I will say that that is maybe one of the weaknesses and which is why like a Dr. Tuana type where it's like a completely different like look translates better than say the like little bumps in your face. Mm-hmm. I will say I I I enjoyed their artwork the way that it was put together like you know the previous episode of the Solvang's destruction we've had the kind of the the movie style uh, change with all the like lens flares and things like that some of the planets that they've been on I've enjoyed the set pieces quite a bit um, that mm-hmm. they've constructed for the series as well so so I will say I I personally enjoyed the animation and artwork but yeah. yeah. Sorry, just to round off, um, I haven't seen uh, Rick and Morty, but I think the animation was solid enough, visually solid enough that it didn't stick out um, when you got pulled into the plot and you weren't distracted by the fact that it was animation and it sort of flowed well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and maybe we'll go into the characters a little later. Um, maybe you won't, but <clears throat> actually, now that I think of it, I, I kind of draw similarities in, um, in, in this and Futurama, specifically between Boimler and Fry, even the, the, the hair tuft and, mm. and just their very fallible human nature, you know? Um, so, but yeah, that, that, that was, it, it made sense. Yeah. Let's talk about story and writing. And, and I want to talk about the the conception of this episode, um, or not episode, uh, of the series as kind of this nostalgic view of the past Star Trek. Because that's, I mean, Emily, you, you talk about the lists of references that have sometimes come up on this show, where it's just like a character saying like, it's kind of almost family guy type, right? Like there's a bunch of like just <laughs> non sequiturs and references thrown in like all over the place to, to past stuff where you're wondering like, are all the Star Trek shows that we've watched in the past, like hollow novels that these people are all aware of and have participated in as well. Um, I, I enjoyed it for the first five or six episodes. And then there was a point at which I was like, okay, I get it. We all love next generation. <laughs> Like, let's go. And and it didn't, like, hurt the show, in my opinion. Like, I, I was never like, this is bad now. But mm-hmm. it, it did lose some of its luster as we went through the, the season. To have this nostalgia constantly be the first thing, like, that you notice up front. Yeah, and I wonder if it was... <clears throat> going back to why I thought the show was nice in the sense that it drove people who had some idea of Trek or had seen some Trek before to go back and start watching Trek, <clears throat> if they would jump in on this series midway mm. through the season and then sort of pick up, uh, because it was it was overwhelming to me as well, but I, I didn't know a lot of the references, so I actually went down the path of looking him up and then going back and at least reading about episodes on Memory Alpha and, and if not, even watching some of that stuff. So... Maybe that was the intent. Who knows? Um, it it did get it did get repetitive, but it depends on how the the show was presented as as a hook to go back the rest of Star Trek. Well, I think about the guy who we've referenced on this podcast who wins Star Trek trivia in the Twin Cities every single week, right? I mean, that person probably enjoys all the references. It's kind of like a, a puzzle piece finding expedition where you just. If, if you're the kind of person who pauses on every frame and looks at the stuff in the background, we didn't mention this in our No Small Parts recap, but there is a very, very deep cut in in the the scene where we see the Packlet ship and the parts of other ships that it has. That is on screen for like five seconds at most. But there's a logo for an alien species that was shown in the background on a monitor in Enterprise for like a few seconds. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. There's a lot of research and deep, deep, deep cuts where even if sometimes I the nostalgia might grate on me, I have to give tip Props. my hat. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I want more Voyager references. I want more DS9 references. Mm-hmm. It's clear that they need a little yes. bit more like old scientists that they know about more than just, you know, TNG and TOS. Yeah. But uh yeah, so I'll say that about the nostalgia. Um, what what about Starfleet and this the series' take on Starfleet? We talked about this in the No Small Parts recap a bit, where the Starfleet skepticism that we saw in Picard is also manifested here. What do you all think? Well, first, <clears throat> sorry, firstly, 
um, <clears throat> we knew that in, in watching more than one series or even within a particular series, we knew that Starfleet was not cookie cutter. Ships were not the same. Um, there were variances in crews. <clears throat> and there were some crews that were um, shining examples of what Starfleet should be. Some ships and some not so much, right? Almost as antagonists in certain episodes. But we never really got the spectrum of what Starfleet could be like in terms of not sort of selfish, uh, decrepit ships, but ships and people and, and crews um, that just made up the volume of a fleet, right? So I think this this show definitely showed that. But in the end of at the end of the seri- uh, season finale, Riker did call out that the California class, um, while perceived as not awesome, did hold up. So so you know, kudos to that. But uh, so it, it gave us the the a better spectrum of Starfleet um, in terms of crews and ships and calibers of um, um, bridge crews, right? We talked a lot about those in our podcast. Um, and then, of course, <clears throat> the the nature of Starfleet so much in, um, in in the in the season finale, in terms of not following up um, for second contacts and and continuing relationships, right? Like so, it almost looks like um, the Cerritos and maybe all the California class ships are tasked with with second contacts, and it's it's one of the things that I brought up in in um, I think the first episode that we uh, podcasted and how second contacts are actually so much more important uh, in operationalizing um, um, a relationship between two species. So um, all of that. And um, yeah, there's, there's Captain Freeman's sort of, you know, left us at a cliffhanger in terms of how she is going to uh, work on <clears throat> ensuring that Starfleet is much more than just first contact and making sure that, it, it proactively or just in time solves problems uh, as opposed to reactively going back to things that keep falling apart um, after first contact. Well, you know, so when we're watching TNG, for example, so it's the, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? It's the head ship of the fleet. I flagship. can't remember what this. Flagship. It's the flagship. Thank you. <laughs> Gosh, mm-hmm. um, I'm tired. Uh, so it's the flagship. And so obviously, you know, at the top, the person, when you're looking at hierarchical structures, because, you know, you, they want to say it's not hierarchical, hierarchical in some ways, but it is definitely in other ways. When you're looking at hierarchical structures, the person at the top does not have interactions with m- the most people. You know, it's you're just going to have interact like really you're going to have kind of superficial interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's essentially what the enterprise does. You know, I mean, it comes in and has first contact it makes that makes that initial contact with the species and then kind of goes off and does something else because it's always doing those big important things and not doing the things underneath and so we just have this image of starfleet as being this oh it's this organization this in some ways i guess this would be the federation we're kind of talking about the federation and starfleet interchangeably i think Mm -hmm. but um Mm -hmm. you know we just see it as this as this wonderful um, compassionate, all-inclusive organization slash uh, collection of civilizations, um, and and we don't look at um, we don't look any deeper than that. Um, and I I appreciated, even though like so, 
I I haven't liked when there have been Star Trek stories that try to make it like, oh, but there's this evil undercurrent in Starfleet. I don't like that. I don't I I'm not a huge fan of Section 31 type story. I liked mm-hmm. the way they use Section 31 in Deep Space 9 and have not liked the way they've used it in subsequent series. Um but and like when it showed up in was it into darkness that it showed up in? I was like, oh, <laughs> gosh, really? Um, I can't remember if it was in. It was one of the one of the J.J. Abrams ones um, or Kelvin universe. But um, I, I don't want Starfleet and the Federation to be evil. But I do think it's important for us to examine the the um, the holes or the, hmm. you know, the places where where it's not perfect. Um, because there is no perfect organization and there's no perfect entity, right? You know, so yeah. um, so stories that are going to explore that, like some of the places where the ideals of Starfleet perhaps break down or where perhaps they aren't fully following through, I find those kinds of stories much, much more interesting than, oh, this is just evil and this admiral is evil and, you know, there's corruption within, you know... Um, I know corruption within human systems is totally a reality, but um, I, I like for Star Trek to be a little more idealized than that. But let's still recognize the fact that we can't help but have some uh, places where we're going to fall short of the mark. Well, and I, f- I feel like uh, to some degree, it's when we go into like the uh, the bad morals and the corruption stories, <laughs> like it's a it's it's usually less interesting because it's it's like oh it's because he wants power great uh i like i don't i don't know that i like learn anything super interesting ethically or whatever from those episodes uh but the the things that that have been interesting for me in lower decks uh and i think in in uh some of the better writing when we we get to question some of the things about the federation are when it's like what's wrong about the fundamental assumption of what we're doing like yes, it's great that we uh, saved this civilization, but what were the consequences of that? Or like, did we pay attention? What happens if we don't? Uh, like, is is the thing that we see Picard doing every week, is that the only time that we talk to people? Like, what happens <laughs> like if we don't keep following up with, with more Picards? Uh, and I, so I, I've liked that, and it's given me a lot to think about in this series. Well, and that's what was kind of exciting about the character of Mariner. And they, they introduced this in the first episode, you know, when she's uh, giving farm tools mm-hmm. or farm implements to um, some of the people that are on the planet. You know, she's recognizing a place where there are gaps in how Starfleet and the Federation handle second contact. And she realizes that the bureaucracy is going to lead to people going hungry and she finds a way to fix it, you know? And so she kind of, it's almost like, you know, the way that she bends the rules and thinks outside the box allows her to see gaps that other people who are just walking through with rose colored glasses and this idealized vision of what Starfleet and the Federation are, um, they're missing. And um, I felt like that, like they kind of returned to that side of Mariner in this last episode. Um, because, you know, she was talking about, you know, I think I wrote this in the notes for the previous episode or for the, season finale um you know she says you know start that's starfleet they're great at i can't remember what what, great at observing but lousy at maintaining Mm -hmm. or something to that effect and it makes it also made me think of like this is not the perfect uh description or perfect definition of deism but that kind of that notion of people talking about god being the clock maker but Mm -hmm. not you know just kind of sets everything in motion and then just 
steps away and doesn't doesn't have any involvement after that. Um, it kind of reminded me of that. Like that was the view of Starfleet that she kind of presented. You know, Starfleet does a great job yeah, of kind of sure. initiating things, but that doesn't do anything to empower the civilizations beyond that initiation to continue in their growth or whatever. Well, and she's able to say that because previous Star Trek TV shows have been written so that we don't really go back and see the see, the, the aliens that we visited in the Roman planet. You don't have to go back there again, right? Like, it's it's rare to see the, the shows retread because they've told the story that they want to. I, I, don't, I don't think the writers were, like, thinking about it in such a deep way as much as just we want to do something different each week. Yeah. But this allows the writers of Lower Decks now to come in and add that as a criticism of starfleet itself that 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 starfleet does not return that it's it has these like flagships flying around fixing problems and like just you know airdropping a solution to this crisis on their planet but then they're like peace see ya and and they don't come back and see what's happened before and you know, your, to your distinction of, between the Federation and Starfleet, I do wonder whether that's something that the Federation needs to do rather than Starfleet, right? Like, you can't expect Starfleet to go and, like, fix something. And, and the way that I've seen Star Trek, it's been less of, like, uh, it seemed more like Picard and Co. or, like, Janeway and Co. They stumble into these things. Like, they're explorers who just, like, end up like, hello, we're here and there seems to be a great plot for an episode. Let's <laughs> get into it, right? It's not been like, uh, I, I wouldn't expect Starfleet to come in and maintain. Like, that's not their purpose. It's, you know, it's the UN's job to be, to facilitate the kind of cooperation between nations and uh, the kind of like, may help nations develop or whatever. And I mean, you, the different theories of international policy that we maybe <laughs> do or do not need to get into, whether it is Starfleet's job. But I, I would see that as more of like a criticism of the Federation. And I don't think it's a bad thing that Starfleet doesn't um, go back and, and fix some of these things. I, I will say that the, this, this kind of helps us get into this, the idea of lower decks versus bridge crew. We talked about this in the very first episode of the podcast when we were before lower decks premiered, we were like, this is going to be a view of maybe what happens outside of the bridge crew. And to be honest, I personally feel like we saw a surprising amount of the bridge crew in this series, yeah. much mm-hmm. more than I was expecting. I expected to see like the lower decks characters getting up to hijinks in a bunch of like Jeffrey's tubes and, you know, ship based antics. And instead we got the large set pieces with aliens, the planets, like all of this stuff much more so mm-hmm. than, than I was expecting to see. What did y'all think about that? Yeah. I kind of thought that we might even uh, not even have like the a plot explained at all. Because uh, in the first episode, we kind of have, like, this zombie outbreak that, like, mostly our uh-huh. characters don't really care about. Uh, and so I was kind of expecting, like, that there would be, like, we'd be having lunch or whatever, and then, like, some villain would be having a speech outside, and then we just, like, <laughs> not hear the rest of the speech or, like, not even know why they're here or whatnot. But um, it was surprising how well everything ended up being integrated uh, so that I, I don't feel like we don't like I feel like we know a good deal about each of the characters mm-hmm. uh, like even Billups who for the first maybe seven episodes I don't know that I could say confidently that he was like in one sing one scene or another but like uh, now he's I, I like have a special place in my heart for Billups. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's maybe maybe it was almost a necessity for the writers because I I I think the whole fog of war approach that we're talking about, where lower decks is not aware of the massive um, plots that are moving um, above them or senior staff are trying to deal with. It's it's interesting to look at it that way, but it's hard, maybe hard to anchor an audience on what's going on, right? If if because fog of war can be very confusing, so maybe they tried a top down approach to to just show that, hey, this is regular Star Trek in terms of things that are happening. You have major plots, but this is how it trickles down into lower decks, right? It's not just the bridge crew. So maybe they take that liberty in the next season. Who knows? Um, in yeah. in showing an episode or two with that fog of war on something happening. They kind of did that with the trial episode a little bit, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Where there was a little bit of fog of war on what was going on and and the bridge crew um, actually um, had a different perspective. But yeah. Yeah, I I do wonder if we'll get a different style of show at some point where the Lower Decks crew that we see aren't like buds with the bridge crew, you know, (laughs) Um, but, but I think maybe that that's an opening for a different show. And I think, uh, I, I, I did appreciate the plots in this, this episode and I, or this, this season, because I, I think they allowed the fact that the bridge crew is actually shown allows us to contrast the lower decks characters with the bridge crew. And, you know, some of the, the criticisms of Starfleet that we've been talking about wouldn't be there if Mariner and Freeman weren't talking to one another and we'd only get one side of the the, the picture. So um, it, it is different than my expectations, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And I think maybe there is an opportunity of changing things up with a with a future uh, season if they decide to do new characters or something like that. Uh, what about your, your ideas of this show's place in Star Trek? Where do you where do you see it in the canon of Star Trek shows? Has it found its unique spot? I think I think it's just that, right? When you when you look at um, the major series, DS Nine, Voyager, um, TNG, maybe TOS has its own spot because of some chronological distancing there, right? But with the other three or four, you, you, it we're hard pressed to not compare, right? You end up comparing one with the other. But with with animation here, I think it it has its little a little pocket where. Um, I think that'll be helpful for a while. I don't think you can run too many seasons leaving it in a pocket. And and they've already tried to integrate it to some extent by bringing in um, characters like Riker and, and, and Troy. Um, but but I, think, I think animated lower decks, um, not the riffraff, but, but the full spectrum of Starfleet kind of, um, kind of a uh, construct does have its own... Uh, i appreciate i think the fact that we have another kind of series that has a very different tone um i i wanted that with voyager i desperately wanted voyager to be like the you know the 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 classic criticism of voyager of like it being too episodic it being the the maki and the starfleet crews just becoming integrated immediately i really really wanted it to be this show that had some dramatic arcs between its characters of conflict mm-hmm. between the first officer and the captain or like the the repercussions of 
bringing a cr- two crews that were trying to kill each other yeah, or, like, or at least fight each other. Like into, into... Year of Hell, the series. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or an entire season or something. Yeah. yeah and, and so to have, I think, this tonal shift that some people really don't like, right? Like, I mean, I talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago that there was someone on Reddit who really was like, I wish Picard was the next generation part two. And it was like the same tone. And I, I really wanted that. And I was disappointed that it wasn't. I... I'm glad Lord Dex does what it does. And again, this goes back to my expectations. I didn't know whether it would be able to successfully carve out this unique niche. Like I, I knew it could be mm-hmm. unique. I just didn't know if it would work. And it works. Like it, I think it is, it is just like the Star Trek 2009 is so different from what had come before it, but it, it works as its own like unit. Mm-hmm. I think that this show works as its own unit. And there may, might be people out there who are like, this just does not work for me at all. But I think Trekkies as a whole it will benefit from having this version of Star Trek in in the franchise. Yeah, super agree. Agree. Yep. So well, and I think yeah. there's this is just like a final thing. Not every there are so many Star Trek series now. Not every series needs to be for you. For sure. Mm-hmm. Or for me. Or for you know, it's okay for series to be uh targeting a different audience. You know, they don't all need to be targeting the same audience. And that's the whole point of why there are so many now. So, yeah, yeah, I, I like also the shorter season. You know, we talked about that very briefly in reference to something else earlier, but like the, the quick, like dot, 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 it's done. Okay. I can now like compartmentalize what I just mm-hmm. saw. We get it again next year. Like, I don't mind that. Like, I don't need 22 seasons of Star Trek or 22 episodes in a season of Star Trek anymore. Like, in fact, I, I don't I, want it. <laughs> right it's too much to yeah. binge yeah. <laughs> when we go back and watch again uh it's like stargate i don't know where to even start with stargate and how to like get into like seven different s- shows with many seasons and episodes like i'm like can someone tell me which ones i can skip please yeah. <laughs> but um anyway i think that brings us to something else and because of the shortened format we're able to see a little bit more of week to week which is arcs and I, I want to talk about the various arcs. Some are character arcs, story arcs, theme arcs. We've talked about the arc of Starfleet already. But were there other arcs throughout these 10 episodes that y'all enjoyed that you didn't enjoy or want to comment on? I'll, I'll take a shot at Boimler. So I, I know um, we may have left off on, on a bit of a sour note with him in the sense that uh, he values a career over... Um, friendships um, but I, I, I liked the down-to-earth nature that he portrayed throughout I think we um, we may have got uh, spun up a lot by characters like Mariner because they sort of embody super capabilities um, super skills and yet you know some mis- mysterious background and why they got demerited or demoted uh, but for me Boimler not even not even Tendi and, and Rutherford because they they have their own special skills, right? They're super smart in their own way, but they're still lower decks. Boimler is lower decks, lower decks. It's very realistic, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. he is aspiring. He wants to move up, and 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 he's not entirely capable of doing that, right? Um, remember in the last episode, uh, the one before the season finale where he totally blows up that interview for that simple workshop and he's like 
mumbles Mariner and runs out of there. So um, I'm not saying that's that's reality, but we're, we're always afraid of being that person, right? We, we mm-hmm. fear failing uh, in front of front of an audience or, mm-hmm. or uh, acting like idiots. And I think he embodies that. So I like Boimler throughout. Um, like we've said before, maybe he fails um, uh, spectacularly on the Titan. And we'll all look forward to it, but we'll, we'll be with him. So, yeah, re- really like Boimler as an arc throughout. I have to say I was a little disappointed with Tendi and Rutherford's arc. I would have enjoyed seeing a little bit more either between them or about them. I think Rutherford, we got some payoff in the final episode for him. But like besides that, I mean, yeah, we got to see him try on a bunch of uniforms and do different things. But I don't know that I came away with anything that I... I'm curious about with the two of them for the future. Um, whereas with Boimler and Mariner, I'm like, wow, I want to see what happens now. Like, I, where, where are they going to go with that? I just had a thought pop in my head, you know. Okay, now I know mm-hmm. we, all, we had our problems with, um, with Crisis Point. But, um, and I made the comment that Tendi needs therapy. But actually, it would have made more sense, mm-hmm. <laughs> given some of the things they've revealed about Tendi, for her to have had that crazy weird blow up. Uh, reveal yeah. in the holodeck than Mariner because Mariner has had a whole lot of ways to blow off steam. Like, let's be honest. She is like breaking the rules all the time and pushing back against things. And so mm-hmm. she doesn't hold things in or hold back. Like that's never been her character in this show, but Tendi does. She makes everything good. It's the, everything is the best it can be. There's the, you know, the, the gold line to silver lining of every situation, you know, I mean, like to the extreme, she is the optimist and somehow it just seems, and you get little tiny glimpses of her being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with the reality of things, but then she stuffs it down and makes it all about whatever the good side is. And I feel like she would have been more served by having that sort of explosion in a whole, in a holodeck creation um, rather than Mariner. Because with Mariner, it just, I don't know, it, it just, it didn't make sense. I think that's what we bumped up against. It yeah. was like, why is Mariner having to do this in order to work through the stuff? With the richness but, of her experiences, as you say, right? Knowing Klingon warlords and um, buddies with Riker and all of that. Like, you, you don't you don't operate at that level and then have, you know, this other side of yourself that has a meltdown in the mm-hmm. holodeck, right? That doesn't really fit. I'm going to stop us before we get into our hour and a half long episode where we discuss this at length (laughs) (laughs) and and pivot us to talking about something else uh, where I I think with Mariner. This is why we're doing a podcast. Well, I missed it last time. Let me speak. No, (laughs) we can go on. You can even finish that episode, damn it. Uh, Let's talk about Mariner really briefly because I think, you know, at the beginning of this episode, you you mentioned uh, or the series, we we saw her be this like bumped down like rebel by the end she's been accepted by the captain she's found her place amongst the crew her her purpose as such i i will give diana a shout and the with the ability to say that yeah she still doesn't truly see the consequences of her actions ever and uh maybe the one is losing her friend to another ship and being really kind of mad about it and 
uh, that kind of ties in with some of the things that you were saying about Boimler, where he starts off as, you know, can't do anything right, and suddenly he's the one getting bumped up into the Titan. So I think Mariner does get a very rich arc. Um, I would have enjoyed a little bit more downs with the ups, uh, with, with some co- like consequences that Diana's been asking for. But overall, I think I can't say I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, makes sense. I was surprised to see them kill off a main... Well, I don't know if Shax is a main character, but it was interesting. Choice. Yeah. It, 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 well, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, this. the last episode had consequences. Right. More so than the other episodes had. You know, all the other episodes had these big things happen, but then they all went right back to the way it was before. Mm-hmm. But there were two major changes in this uh, show with the death of Shax and the um, removal of the implant from Rutherford. So, okay. Sorry, Brady. <laughs> no, no. I, I think you, you mentioned exactly what I was going to say. So <laughs> uh, when you said two things, I was like, yep, no, no, it's, it's good. We're on the same wavelength. Um, yeah. And again, that's a season finale. So maybe it's, it just sets us up. But um, mm. yeah. I, I will say that I think they killed off the most single dimensional character in the show. So I was kind of struggling to see where they were going to go with Shaxx. This is only so long that you can be like, I want to blow everything up and this is funny. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, the, <laughs> I think they could have added some, I mean, there might've been some opportunities to, to play on that a little bit more, but I think um, if they're able to put a, some, some more complexity into the, whoever whichever character inhabits that role or, we can talk about what we think is going to happen there mm. in a second, but uh, I think that would be good. Um, I think the other kind of arc I picked up on is the um, the the fact that this is this is more of a a, a show that lets us see into the day to day life of Starfleet crew members, and I enjoy that aspect of it you know we see their quarters we see the like them doing little bits and bobs on the ship rather than always being off somewhere else so so that was good that was kind of good um so I, I i guess the next question is where do we see the show going from here yeah it's it's interesting right if if they had um if they had had the four packlet ships surround uh, the Cerritos and left it there, that would have left a lot more to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, two big call outs for me again. One is how does Boimler um, um, come to his own on the Titan or not, right? Very quickly yeah. in one episode or, or like in a couple of episodes. And then what do they, what do they write for um, Rutherford? Uh, and, and to your point, like, Maybe they could have had an accident where Shaq hits himself on the head. Shaq hits himself on the head, and then is a whole new character in the next season, right? It almost sounds like they were trying to do that with with Rutherford. So, some some new character development there, um, and and yeah, I I I guess it, it's still gonna be episodic as such, right? There's there's gonna be um, specific adventures every time. Um, and I, and I wonder again, if they try that fog of war approach, because that was actually, now that I think about it a little bit more, that was actually very interesting for the trial episode. I forget the name, but, um, it, it did give a perspective on how the lower deck staff may not be aware of what's going on. And I personally sort of, you know, ridiculed it at the end saying, how oh, 
it, it never made sense, but maybe that's how it is with lower decks, right? They don't understand the decisions that the senior staff are making. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe some um, artistic license there on more fog of war. I feel like they've really set up uh, Freeman and Mariner working together, or or at least um, Freeman kind of picking Mariner's brain as to some of the the holes that they maybe need to try to address in Starfleet or in how Starfleet operates. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've kind of set that up. So that's going to be a different dynamic. They're, they're, I don't think, I mean, they'll probably still be oppositional, but I don't think they'll be as oppositional in the next season, which will be nice because, you know, you don't want that same thing over mm. and over and over again. Um, I hope they don't just throw it back to being what it was like, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, I think uh, they're definitely going to have to... W- I would like to find out why Rutherford got the implant in the first place, you know? So I don't mm. know if, if we'll learn some of that. Um, I also, um, I, I, I don't think this is what they're going to do, but I found it interesting that the last frame of the series finale season finale, I listened to too many things out of the UK and they call season series. And so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the season finale was the Titan and I almost had this wondering if they were going to be featuring the Titan for part of it, like doing lower decks on the Titan for a little bit. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that that a ship that the season was not about was the last shot of the mm-hmm. season. So, yeah, I, I almost thought like, oh, wait, it are we just done with everybody? And like now it's the new crew. But <laughs> and Boimler is the only like re- retained character, which I mean, hopefully not. But is, yeah, it was, I know it, it was definitely weird. Fe- I think that that might have been part of um, what I found so distracting. About the end. Just, just like, wait, what? How do I don't know. I mean, I, I'm definitely in for uh, mixing the show up a bunch. But uh, and like Notch said, I'm, I'm glad that we didn't do a, a hyper crazy uh, cliffhanger of like, is everyone going to be dead? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the thing that confuses me about what's to come next is we can't see these characters get promoted, right? Like that's it wouldn't be lower next time. Like it, it would be a different show. So I would like, I think, us to get more of just the mundanity uh, of the mundane parts of mm-hmm. Star Trek life and and like the, I wouldn't rotating the uh, the dials because the like they get overheated, <laughs> right? I think like that that would just I think I, I would like a little bit more of like a character driven, just fun, funny, uh, sitcommy kind of thing rather mm-hmm. than this like big questions about like how Starfleet does things. But I don't know if that's what we're gonna get if that's what the writers have signaled. So um, yeah, I I, I can see us doing more like we're gonna get a mirror universe episode we've talked about this before that's a huge star trek trope that they haven't touched so far we're gonna get that i think section 31 is gonna show up we haven't had a time travel episode yet um i i expect these things to come and maybe they're thrown into the delta quadrant for an episode or two like you know (laughs) if if we're talking about the show's trek nostalgia there are a bunch of different star trek tropes that are still to show up um I do wonder where we see Mariner go now that that, that that fundamental source of conflict between her and her mom and Starfleet is now gone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been kind of explained as, like, the conflict is good and we need it. Like, what's what's next for her? Um, do we see her struggling now with her reputation? Is season two going to be an exploration of her past uh, and what that means? So so that that's a question for me. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I could see as we've expanded now to include two ships, maybe it becomes that the Cerritos is kind of the lower decks to the the uh, Titans upper mm-hmm. decks. But uh, yeah, it's it, I, I, I appreciate that they're I, so I can see that tension still holding, but it, it's now that they're both on the same side feeling like they're uh, doing their best to just kind of. Uh, throw away the rules when they need to and uh, sort of handle the messes that the Titan leaves behind, but I don't know. And, and, and Mariner has so much rich un, uh, untapped history, right? Like, we've already, she's already set her, the writers have already set herself up as um, someone who is, you know, friendly with Riker, has Klingon warlords um, who are valley with her. So she could, they could pivot in that direction and, and pull the pull the season there i i'd like to see i mean we've had an alien of the week kind of a flavor for the first season right more or less mm-hmm. i'd like to see big i mean i, I know the series, series is trying to be episodic but i'd like to see big recognizable uh alien species come in as whole like we didn't see any cardassians we didn't see a vulcan ship as a whole uh, with a crew maybe the the writers were a little nervous going there because that's that's sensitive trek um, Trek history and they'd get criticized, but mm-hmm. maybe bringing some of that in, right? The Federation operating. There's a lot of humans that we've seen, humans and episodic aliens. So maybe mm-hmm. a, a variety to that as well. Yeah. Well, with that, I think I think unless y'all have anything more that you would like to add, I think maybe it's time to to end our recap of season one of Lower Decks. I think we all rated this episode ver- or the season very highly. Series episode season. Uh, right. <laughs> and uh, I'm really impressed. I'm looking forward to what comes next with season two, which is already being written. And yeah, we, we'll see where it goes. Next week, we will be back with Discovery. Season three. Holy crap. It's here already. Oh my God. Are they ever so going to give us a break from new Star Trek? Uh, <laughs> never nope. again. Yeah. All right. Uh, so so we will we will do a season one uh, or, or, or season one and two um recap uh, which will be basically me frantically going through memory alpha for hours beforehand trying to remember what happened it's been a while yeah I'm, i started panic <laughs> streaming and have gotten through one and a half episodes so <laughs> right um takuma what what was yeah. that uh volk was that a character like <laughs> wait the klingons look like that um, just go through all the all the controversies from the past. Anyway, but uh, we'll we'll be back with that, and then of course our reaction to the first new episode of Discovery with what we think of the Ben. And uh, I'm never gonna let that go. I'm never gonna let that go. But for now, thank you, Adam. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Rudy, for staying with me and recording this episode. Thank you to Max, Diane, and Bill for being awesome people, which y'all are. Thank you to our listeners, always, for being here with us. Thank you to Jishnu Guha, who recorded our theme music. Listen to his podcast, Geek Fruit, if you so choose. And special thanks to the Lower Deckers everywhere, toiling away in the Jeffrey's tubes, making, <laughs> turning knobs and preventing them from overheating. Without their efforts, we wouldn't have any of the Star Trek shows we wanted because all the ships would overheat. So, good for them. All right, everybody. See you next week with Discovery. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.